welcome to another episode of the Pedestrian Podcast. We finally made it after a long off-season of random former Seahawks to open up head pod. We are at the beginning of the 2021 NFL season. Joining myself, Stuart Court, this week is, as ever, Mr. Adam Nathan. How are we, sir? I'm good, thanks. It's funny, it's eight months since the Seahawks last stunk the place out. But um, I don't know, they do find a way to fill that time extraordinarily well don't they mm-hmm. um for someone that you know if you think what you're doing eight months ago for goodness sake uh yeah there's something about the nfl that they do keep you interested the whole way through so kudos to them but uh let's get on with the quiz <laughs> yeah but also this 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 offseason we've had the mariners be relevant I'm, I'm not gonna say good but they've been relevant for four months of that well they're playing meaningful games tonight i mean they, they're gonna get their Doors blown off by Houston again, I would imagine. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's nice to hear the people talking about relevant Seattle baseball in September. Yeah, and joining myself and Mr. Nathan is, uh, I think you did the pod four years ago, last time we played back in the infancy of the Ped pod. Uh, Mr. Ollie Doors, welcome back. How are we, sir? Not too bad, mate. Yeah, uh, that somehow feels like 10 minutes ago and also 10 years ago. I can't even remember what the result was. I think you got one. I think we won. I, th- I think that was when that was when Cliff got injured, yeah. wasn't it? That's Cliff That's Avery's when... last game. And I think the only memorable play that I can yeah. think of is Wilson took off on like a 20-yard rushing touchdown and he reached out over the line and scored and, and mm. went bananas. Uh, but yeah, that was Cliff's last game, I think. Yeah, but I think Brissett played, mm-hmm. I think. Yeah, yeah. I just Google what the score was and we, we don't need to talk about it. I, I reckon it was like 30 to 16. <laughs> Hi. Oh, blimey. I don't remember that. It was stuck at like, this sounds like 30, 36, 10. 46, 18. 40, we scored it? 40 points. Yeah. It was in prime time, wasn't it? Yeah, I think it was a Sunday night football game. Four, so the Seahawks scored 46 points. I mean, according to what I'm reading now. Uh, why do I remember that? I mean, it, you scored, you'd scored you scored 10 in the first two quarters and then 36 in the, in the second team. <laughs> I, don't, I, have, I have no recollection of that game. I, have, I remember it because Cliff Avril got, was it Brissett's heel into his chin, didn't he? Mm. And obviously he retired. Um, oh, and Chris Carson got injured. What was it, like five weeks into the season? Um, yeah, so I don't know if she has no record of that game. I scored 40 points, I don't remember. Remember that happened? I mean, that means we scored, because that would have been the year we put like the barn burner against the Texans and, no, I remember the Steelers and the Texans as well, is that as well? As, it must Watson. be, yeah. The biggest and surprise this, is that Blair Walsh kicked, you know, started the game by kicking a field goal through the through the sticks. That's yeah. that's clearly the biggest surprise. Yeah. Again, the Ped Pod comes delivering full of research ahead of pressing the button, which says record. Um, so yeah, we, we we did our season preview last week with Nick and Dave, which was a lot of fun. Uh, the outlook wasn't possibly as fun as many people uh, would expect us to be when the Seahawks were like fifth, sixth, seventh, or eighth in most uh, preseason pre-week one power rankings. But Ollie, you've had a, a similarly busy upheaval of an off-season. Obviously, the last few weeks has been for rather annoyingly negative stuff as well. But how's how's the Colts off-season been over the last six, seven months? Because a lot's changed this really, hasn't it? 
Yeah, I mean, I think you have to start with Wentz, which is obviously the big talking point of the off-season. Um, I was kind of on board for a little bit and sort of thinking that maybe they can get him back to being something resembling an NFL quarterback. I think everybody always bangs on about how he was almost MVP. It's like, well, he wasn't MVP though, was he? <laughs> it's the thing. Um, and then, yeah, like you say, it's just been all, it feels fairly negative the last few weeks because of just seemingly so many players that won't get the vaccine. Mm-hmm. Um, In- including the quarterback. Yeah, which he keeps saying is a personal choice, but when you're the face of the franchise, it ju- it just seems to come back to this whole thing of what he was like in Philly, where people would say about the lack of leadership or accountability or whatever it may be. Mm. And it just feels like we're seeing it again, where the, he's trying to say that he's reading upon the rules on how to avoid contact tracing and stuff like this, when he could just easily avoid all of that. And it's just increasingly frustrating because you know that at some point he is going to miss at least the game this season by simply not getting the vaccine. Mm. And you could say that the best player on the other side of the ball, Darius Leonard, is in the exact same boat where he's not getting it either. So it's a bit of a weird one. Um, the roster generally looks decent, but like it could just be completely derailed if players miss time for being close contact. I do find it incredible that players are still using the line I need to do more research and or like I'm trying to do the research and find out. And like fans are just, they're, they're expecting fans to just accept this as a reason. Um, yeah. Like it, it's bizarre to me that they think we're that thick. You just don't want to get the shot, which is fine. Um, if you needed to, if you wanted to do research on it, then you would have done your research already and realized that it's absolutely a fine thing to do. You clearly just don't want to do it and are trying to come across as, like intelligent in the way in which you're turning down doing it. And, you know, we've had it with Cam Newton, we've had it with Kirk Cousins, um, Carson Wentz. And, you know, Wentz is kind of a guy that obviously is not on a roster bubble, you know, given that it's year one and a fairly well-paid deal. But I can't imagine there's many guarantees in his contract going forward that if he doesn't set the place alight this year, that it's fairly straightforward for the Colts to get rid of him, isn't it? Apparently so, yeah, not well up on the sort of minutiae of the deal. But yeah, it sounds like there is sort of an easy way out. Um, it it just seems like if anybody needed a sort of big bounce back year, it's Carson Wentz. And he's voluntarily putting himself in a position where he could miss multiple games over the course of the season. Mm. I, I don't understand it. Um, I think we've had Ryan Kelly as well, sort of saying that he and his wife are discussing the sort of pros and cons. And I was like... <laughs> were days away from the start of the season. How long have they had? Yeah. I mean, we Pete Carroll suggested that all but two of the... I guess he meant the 53 for the Seahawks have been vaccinated, when I think DJ Reed was the most notable one who said, well, I'm not doing it, but if I have to do it, I'm going to do it, which is kind of the, the mindset to have if they're on the fence, I guess. It's kind of like, look, it's like if you want to play and be a part of... A, a team or whatever, it's, it's a pretty small risk to take, I guess. 
it's, I mean, yeah. uh, we, we've done this to death. What I was say now that we're kind of in the midst of the season is that you know, we don't give out gambling tips, particularly on this podcast, but take the under on yards and touchdowns for any of these quarterbacks that are non-vaccinated because they're going to miss two to three games each. And these lines yeah. are probably set with like, you know, if you see Kirk Cousins with a four at his num- you know, yards, numbers, throws, he's going to miss two or three games. I know it's 17 games this year, but take the under on these guys and Lamar Jackson with his rushing yards, potentially just hammer the under, I would say, because um, it seems that the NFL are going to be a bit more brutal in mm-hmm. how they uh, administer it this year. And in fairness, like I get it. Like they gave them all, they, they were incredibly liberal last year. Uh, you know, that, that Steelers Ravens game was almost farcical in how it was bumped around and moved to then. And they put it on a, like a Tuesday lunchtime or some nonsense. <laughs> um, but it does seem like they're going to be much more ruthless. And now like, if you can't play, you know, it's your fault mm-hmm. and you're going to have to pay for it in, you know, in, in the win column and also financially by the sounds of things. Yeah, and also there's a couple of games happening in your city, Adam, which obviously we're, we're kind of trying to dig into what it's like going over to America and Seattle this year with stuff that's come out today. But there's going to be players on these teams who aren't going to be able to enter the country, you'd hope, because of the decision they've made with all the apparent research they've made. It's, it's going to affect in every single avenue just the teams try and go down, isn't it, this season? Yeah, I don't know what the rules are coming to. I mean, obviously... We're talking about a trip in December that might be a bit, you know, in jeopardy. I don't know, but I don't know what, I think from what I can tell coming from America to the UK isn't a problem. What are they, an amber list country or a green list? I or? think so. But I, I, I was spent the weekend with someone who is English, is married to an American who flew out there in July and they had to ring Homeland Security at TSA to be allowed in to Seattle, which is just insane, really. Um, Adam, obviously, what, what's, we'll, I'll dive on mine. what's your read of the Colts as we enter week one of this season? Because obviously they're a team you only see every four years. It was Luck and Brissett uh, four years ago when we saw them, maybe. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's still there, but a lot of the faces outside of that are completely new and foreign to this Seahawks team, aren't they? From what I can tell, and Ollie, you'll be able to step in and give us a much more uh, forensic examination of, of the roster, but they appear to, you know, with Chris Ballard and Frank Reich have overturned the roster to a point where if they made a proper run at the playoffs this year and they stayed healthy throughout the year, that shouldn't be seen as a surprise to anyone. From, from what I can tell, there's a really good balance on both sides of the ball and key positions uh, you know, there's stars in key positions. There's balance all over the place that if the Colts went on a, a run and became a, a team to really reckon with the a- in the AFC, that shouldn't really surprise us, should it? No, I think I think when we lost to the Bills in the playoffs last season, one of the big problems was that we just didn't get enough pressure on Josh Allen. I mean, it just killed us. So I think go, going and getting quitty pay in the first round of the draft, I think was a superb move and he has already looked shown flashes in preseason. Obviously you can't always judge everything off preseason, but I do think the roster looks pretty good. Um, a little short receiving wise a bit because TY is out injured and won't play against the Seahawks. Um, <clears throat> you're kind of looking for a few players to step up in terms of receivers and tight ends. Jonathan Taylor should be ready to go for a big sort of second season now. So the first half of his rookie season was a little bit 
hit or miss, but then really came on strong second half. It's just all going to come down to Wentz, I feel, because if he misses games, he, Jacob Eason's the, the backup, which <laughs> could go absolutely anyway. Absolutely no idea what what we could expect from Eason. And you've got Ellinger as well, haven't you, as well, from Texas. We, we've got Ellinger, but he, he's injured as well at the moment. So oh. it is literally just Wentz and Eason. We had uh, we had Brett Huntley in during <laughs> Oh, wow. Yeah. I feel like everyone at some point has Brett Hanley yeah. for a yeah. workout. Yeah. We, we changed seventh round picks to have him and then just let him walk out the building the year after. Um, on, on the wide receivers, it kind of seems that that is, I mean, it seems like a pretty deep position because obviously one of the, t- the, the, one of the few threads, I think probably just because I follow you on socials, Ollie, was the emergence of the seventh round pick, Mike Straight. It's not just, it's spout Strachan, which is a yeah. Coventry City fan. It's yeah. Strachan. <laughs> it's, it's but not it's not how, it's the, the, the kid from, is it Charlotte you drafted him from? Uh, it was Charleston. Charleston. No, it's not far off. But he's yeah. like with him, you got Des Patman, who's also, I think he's on IR, but he's yes. uh, from Cougar. It seems like it, and Michael Pittman and Paris Campbell, and obviously TY's just seems like always going to be there. That just, um, as a Seahawk fan, four days, five days out from the season, we don't know who is going to be our starting quarterbacks on Sunday. So that kind of just kind of feel a bit like a briefcase and a shotgun being brought into the same conversation, doesn't it? I would, I would like to think so. In the case of Strawn, which is an absolute Wait, wow, stupid, ridiculous way to pronounce that name from from like an English perspective. Um, just an absolutely bizarre story, but he's he was born in the Bahamas, and I think he just sort of crushed like small school competition. We picked him in the seventh round, and yeah, all the signs in sort of training camp and uh, preseason have been pretty positive. He's a huge body; he's like six five, so very much sort of a red zone threat. You would imagine at this sort of early stage. I think you would likely see Pittman and Campbell as the main two, and then Zach Pascal after that. Um, if Paris can stay healthy, which is, I feel like we say this every year now, but <laughs> I'd like to think that he is sort of due a little bit of luck and a good season because mm. I think everyone saw at Ohio State that when you get the ball in his hands, he can absolutely fly. So fingers crossed if you guys are a little bit shaky at corner we can make little bits <laughs> Listen, <laughs> yeah. 2013 is a long time ago I think if the three of us were X, Y and Z receivers for the Colts we'd still you know put a good 25-30 points <laughs> on the board on Sunday who's who's sort of expected to start then at uh, Trey Flowers who okay. um, lost his job yeah. about three times last season and DJ Reed Adam yeah Trey Flowers is, is experiencing the what I call Jack Wilshere, Eric Lamella syndrome that like no one I've ever heard in the NFL before, whereby when you're not, when they're not playing uh, mainly because they're injured, their reputation is inflated to a level that is almost incomprehensible. And you can just say, Oh yeah, yeah, Trey Flowers, like Jack Wilshere, Eric Lamella, great player. And then they actually play and you realize they are jank. And uh, I know Stu's a bit of a fan. I, but, I, I, I like Trey Flowers. Uh, there's nothing really to suggest that there's any talent there apart from a bit of hope, I would suggest. Um, I mean, I, I think we are 
absolute bollocks at cornerback for the season now, but mm. we'll have to see if they can uh, make some work. So I, it, the whole thing just terrifies me. I'm not going <laughs> to lie to you. I mean, yeah, I mean, T.Y. not playing is probably a sweet relief, but Michael Pittman Jr. is going to... I mean, he's, he, is he, he seems like someone's going to operate a lot across slants over the middle. And that's Bobby Wagner territory, but it's also... Jamal Adams, Marquis Blair, Ugo Amadi in coverage territory as well, Adam. Yeah, well, Jamal Adams was in the backfield having you know been blitzed and not got home. So that leaves another nice little hole in the secondary. Um, I'm, I don't know. Yeah, Seahawks podcast. So I'm not as optimistic as the, about this game as I thought I'd be. I mean, I, you kind of feel like if 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 this is you know the last dance with Wilson as we fear it is that mm. you know to start off the year with a bad result here would be well you the I mean people are going to start chirping straight away and yeah, um, yeah. And, and then we've got Julio and AJ yeah I mean I think ESPN had us projected to be 0 and five to start the season I don't know who what the games are but I do know looking at the record there aren't any games on there apart from maybe Houston that look and maybe Jacksonville depending on what Trevor Lawrence does that look like absolute bankers given you know the divisions that we end up playing this year but mm. um, and obviously the AFC games don't count as much as they do and I think we saw it in the Premier League when fans came back uh, those first two weekends there was an enormous uh, percentage rise of home wins just because it was fans back in the stadium for the first two years so it wouldn't surprise me for a number of reasons if we lost this game just because we might be outmatched by a better team but the, the way in which this game transpires is going to prove a lot of people's priors correct, whichever yeah. side of the fence you sit on, I think. Yeah, there is, there is a lot. There is a weird, like, like I said, I'm following Ollie and knowing Ollie and his Colts fandom. It is, there is quite weird the, the, the vibe around the Colts because you, you say the word Colts, he's like, oh, Andrew Locke's not there anymore. It's fine. And then you look, you're like, oh, but they have the Forest Book now, they have. Quitty Pay, they have Darius Leonard, they have uh, Blackman in the safety, they have decent cornerbacks, they have probably one of the best airlines in the league, and then a one-two punch, and then all those wide receivers, but they have Jonathan Taylor and Naheem Hines and uh, Marlon Mack at running back. And you're like, oh yeah, it doesn't really matter that Andrew looks like there because they've built every other aspect of their roster to put the put the creepers on you. Is that fair, where, But But where is Kobe Fleener? Because he was an absolute stalwart for years for me in fantasy as like a last minute tight end that you need. And Kobe was was a god for me. So I'm, I'm, I'd like to hear his life story in addition to the answer to this question, please, Ollie. Uh, you say that it doesn't really matter that Andrew Luck isn't there, but the amount of things I would give to have Andrew Luck back. <laughs> uh, especially because, do you see the thing last week about him where... He, he sort of did a bit of quarterbacking for yeah, yeah, like high, a whole, school. high school scrimmage or something, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I keep getting the fear that he's just going to wait until his Colts deal would have expired and then he'll just come back <laughs> and like go to the Raiders or something. But um, Kobe Fleener, um, I think after his rookie deal, we just let him go and he went to the Saints, I think, for a little bit. That sounds right. 
Yeah. By the way, pull pull back the curtain a bit. Um, Ollie mentioned me earlier to ask him for like, what we're going to run through. Kobe Fina was not one of the topics they said. <laughs> <over>, so. <laughs> there, there was there was one year where I had T.Y. Hilton and Kobe Fina in various different leagues, and I repurposed the Colo and Yaya Torre song to <laughs> T.Y. and uh, Kobe Fina, and was enjoying singing that on Sunday evening. So there's a you know, look, look back at some of my great fantasy days coming yeah. seventh in a. 10 team league because I had those two bums uh, propping up the roster but hey what can you do uh, but, but yeah I do think the roster is it's changed completely like uh, I think the, the great thing has been that we've kind of hit on a lot of middle round picks with Ballard who has done a ridiculous job um, can't relate like, <laughs> so I, I know you mentioned like DeForest Buckner but next to him is Grover Stewart who sort of really emerged last season as one of like the best like run stopping D tackles in the league. He got paid a big deal. I think he was a fourth round compensation pick in like 2017. Um so they keep they do keep getting good value out of middle round picks and Ballard does sort of like to stock up a few thirds and fourths and throw a few darts at the board. Um I thought we'd trade down this year to be honest, but I think when the <clears throat> showed that pay was still there. I don't think they could have really gone in any other direction. Mm-hmm. Um, I think like post Mathis and Freeney years, the defense had looked a little lacking in playmakers. And I think that sort of started to change with Leonard and has carried on a little bit more. Uh, like Kenny Moore is probably one of the most underrated corners in the league. Still doesn't really get all that much talk. Um they even let Malik Hooker just walk away in free agency, and I think he only re- I think he only recently got a team. I can't remember who he signed for there. Um, you'll have Blackman and Willis at safety, and they were third and fourth round picks, I think. So I think that's what's really like really helped this rebuild. Is yeah, how many middle round picks have have hit. So, 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 Adam, for, for uh, I see what sounds we can't really relate, but Blackman is a. Are those picks allowed a, to work? A, a Utah, no, no, no. He's, he's not just that, but he's he's a Utah Ute who was an effective rookie. I mean, we had two of them, and uh, Marquis Blair was injured, and Cody, uh, Cody Barton is still uh, second or third in the depth chart. So it's some the things we can't relate to, and you've got one of our guys in Ed. Ed Doyle, am I saying that? Is that the guy you got from Seal? Uh, Ed, Ed Dodds. Ed yeah. Dodds, that's it. The one yeah. who found um, the track guy who never played a snap and just seemed to move that into an NFL from Work, office job. Works very closely with uh, with Ballard. Yeah. I, I would assume that his time was like a GM will come soon, but sort of every year he keeps getting passed up and it's like, cool, we've got another, <laughs> we've got another year of him yet. Yeah. Uh, well, obviously, the one thing we haven't really touched on is the head coach is he had I think Luck retired. Is that his first year, right? His first year when Luck retired, and then you've had Brissette for a year, and then you had Philip Rivers in his uh Derek Jeter, David Ortiz, Swan Song in the NFL, and now he's head uh, head coach of a high school team and just the most fun person to listen to talk um for an extended period of time. But the the move for Wentz isn't just a thing which is gonna Lingo over Ballard, it's going to be a thing which, if it doesn't work, Lingo over Reich as well, isn't it? Yeah, it does sort of. If whenever Ballard talks about it, 
you just get the sense that it wasn't really his move and that it was them giving right what he wanted. Um, I think a lot of fans, with the benefit of hindsight, would have rather traded up for Fields because the deal ended up looking... Because I think the Bears moved up from maybe one or two spots ahead of where we were. And they moved up and got Fields for not that much more than what we gave up for Wentz. It's one of those where, like, you can't really risk going into the draft without a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'd like if they'd gone into that draft with just Jacob Eason, it could have gone absolutely <laughs> horrifically. Um, yeah, they've just extended both Reich and Ballard for a long time. I can't remember the exact years, but it's like a five-year extension for both of them. So even if Wentz doesn't pan out, I think Reich is safe, but it's one of those where he does kind of need Wentz to pay off because this this is his guy. It's not yeah. really it's not really Ballard's guy. Yeah, and obviously you, me and you were founding members of the Trey Hive twelve months ago as well. <laughs> yeah, so uh, that's that's going to be really annoying for the next decade when he finally gets a job off Garoppolo. Um, so what what what's your read of the Seahawks from your vantage point? Obviously, you probably see my nonsense quote tweets and retweets of all the circus that is, but. What's what, what's your your read and Colts Twitter's read on this team? It seems like you said that like the the Legion of Boom era feels like a long time ago. Um, the Wilson stuff, I don't. I mean, what is what is going on? Like, he's, 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 he's the expectation that he's going. He's not. He's either him or Pete Carroll are not here this time next year. Okay, unless the win gets the championship game, which is not yeah. going to happen. It's so let's happen. assume that's. Still the case. So, was it was it the Bears who offered like some ridiculous deal for Wilson? Three first round picks, and then we watch them give up two first round picks for Justin Fields, and you're like, eh, that could have been, but yeah. It it seems sad to sort of see it end this way, really, because Wilson was sort of one of the great stories of like when I first started watching the NFL. Yeah. The 2012 draft was sort of the first one I was really invested in. And obviously we took luck in that draft. And then for a few years, it was sort of luck versus Griffin versus Wilson because they all came out of that class. And Wilson's the only one still going because, mm. well, has Griffin got a team at the moment? I think he got no, no, he's an analyst now, isn't he, on ESPN? And obviously luck has retired. So it, it would sort of be sad for Wilson to just sort of bow out with like a, I was going to say seven and nine, but it's seven and 10, wouldn't it? <laughs> this year. Yeah. Uh, yeah, no, it, it is, it is, it, it, yeah, it's just, it, it is sort of a relief to start playing, but I think as you maybe touched on earlier, Adam, it's just going to start everything back up again because if they flop or lose or lose badly or, don't play up to the level which is expected of them from Seahawks fans, then the conversation is going to get going. And it's going to be, maybe we should, maybe we should have done this with when Chicago offered that to Schneider in um, North Dakota uh, back in... Well, yeah, I, mean, I said on our show with Mike Dugar, I think that we, if we got rid next year, there's no way we'll get as much as that Bears offer because that's just the way it works. You know, two-year deal, three-year deal left, and it's Harry Kane... In, uh, in the Pacific Northwest, really, it's a similar sort of situation. Um, but it's interesting, like, 
I don't think Seahawk fans actually want Wilson to throw the ball 50 times a game. I don't think there's anyone that thinks that he's necessarily the guy to do that. But the way in which Seattle lose games will be quite significant for, I think, how the narrative around it is formed. Mm. Um, If there's even a play on red zone where they try and run in short yardage or or run maybe when when, the analytics was just to suggest that they shouldn't and they lose, then that's going to stoke the national media with the let Russ cook thing all the more than it already has done and bring it all back up. So I think the way in which we lose or win is going to be as significant as, as almost the wins and losses themselves. Um, But equally, like I'm not even sure if I'm full, let Russ cook like 50 throws a game. I, I don't think he's a guy that can do it when everyone knows this is what's coming. It happened in that one ridiculous game against Houston, but and it's happened in a couple of comebacks when teams are in a more, you know, prevent mode than anything else. But um, it's it just going to be the most magnificent soap opera this year. And I'm just mm. so here for it one way or the other. <laughs> uh, and, you know, if it doesn't work out, then Wilson will just end up going, being the sort of budget Kardashian that his lifestyle seems to suggest that that's the way he's going to, you know, sort of migrate into. And then we'll all be shot of him. Rather trying at the moment. Yeah, from the outside, it looks a little bit bizarre at times. Um I just need to double check something because was there not some weird story about him? Um, Assume yes. Yeah. <laughs> or, or a photo shoot. The whole healing water thing? Oh, no, that's that been, that's been a thing for years. Okay. Oh, yeah, we're, 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 we're way past that. That was like season two. Oh, yeah, I mean, sure. yeah, 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 yeah. This, yeah, this, this, this is like this is like the movie part of six seasons of the movie. <laughs> yeah, he got his bell rung by Clay Matthews and claimed that you know a sip of Dasani or something sorted him out for uh, for the rest of the game. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah, it's, I, I, yeah. I, I think what Stuart said is that if he didn't play for us, we would absolutely despise him. And so mm. I, I kind of assume that. Most non Seahawk fans look at him and think, "What a weirdo!" Well, I, I, I sort of loved this Andrew Luck approach of having a flip phone and wearing cargo <laughs> jeans that have the zip that turn them into shorts, and <laughs> just a complete polar opposite to Russ. I feel like Luck just didn't like being in the headlines whatsoever. No, but also the Colts fan base and the Seahawks fan base are the weird, like obviously. Certain per- person who follows is a Seahawk and Wisconsin Badger fan uh, really did rile up the Colts fan base for a good decade, didn't he? Um, that kind of that kind of seems to seep into a lot of the Colts. Like Colts and Seahawks fans, as we say, play each other four years. There's no real rivalry of, to talk of, really. But that that that, that, that man's mere existence on social media kind of that was a very weird time on on sort of NFL Twitter. Uh, I don't even really know how it started. No, it's, it it's, seems to happen every other week. <laughs> yeah, it's always yeah. One Seahawks fan would just be constantly tweeting like Colts fans about Andrew Luck. Yeah, it's 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 a thing of American sports where I don't really get like just watch two good players play at almost opposite sides of the country, opposite sides of the league, and just enjoy it. I mean, we we have this in our football as well though, because. The Messi versus Ronaldo yeah. going on for a decade plus, and yeah. I think everybody's pretty bored of it by now. And then yeah. in an 
in another couple of years, it'll be Mbappe or Haaland. It's just sort of how, how <laughs> where everyone has to, there has to be a comparison somewhere. Yeah. But I do quite like ranking. I mean, we kind of do sport to find out who the best. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's part of it that if we're not going to talk about who the best is, what are we even bothering about as fans? But yes, I take your point entirely. Um, I mean, for me, my uber hot take is if Wilson doesn't get to another championship game in his career, is he a Hall of Fame quarterback? I mean, probably. Who's who's been going in recently? I guess that's the. I mean, yeah. I mean, Ray Lewis is in the, in the Hall of Fame, and he's questionable for. <laughs> I, I do. I I do always like. I do always like the. I mean, I would normally hate this, but when they say, "Can you tell the story of the NFL with or without this player?" I do quite like that as a Hall of Fame barometer. And I sort of feel that if Wilson doesn't even get to a championship game again, you could probably talk about the Seahawks fairly easily without him. Yeah, but yeah, I think that's what I've said before. I think we said earlier in our season to Jackson, his legacy is on a knife edge. Yeah. Because like like Griffey and the 95 Mariners and the late 90s Mariners and Booner and Edgar, they're still talked about. The, the Edgar and Griffey now have statues outside the stadium. You talk about the Pete Carroll Seahawks. It's Pete Carroll, George Snyder, Earl Thomas, Richard Sherman, Marshall Lynch, Doug Baldwin. And then you can Chancellor Kiffer. And like Russ is probably fifth, sixth in the list as it currently, because like, like, we, like we've mentioned the League of the Boom four times and the last one is out, was booted out of the league 12 months ago. I can't believe he's any Seahawk fans top five favourite players of the last decade. No, he's like, like we've said numerous times, he's he's probably not on the Mount Rushmore for me. Agreed. But is, is that weird for, for from your POV, Ollie, for Seahawks fans to say about their quarterback who's like been one of the top five, six in the league. I mean, as long as Matt Hasselbeck's in there, all good. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Sp- that, speaking like, of... Carl's not wearing H and not be allowed to happen this year, but it is, so yeah. Speaking of magnificent Colts quarterbacks, um, as I'm sure you're aware, there was a, a bit of a kerfuffle in Arizona for the Seahawks in, in the Super Bowl to, to finish it up. That There's probably been a hangover that I'm not even sure the team have ever got over since then, uh, with, with Malcolm Butler. Peyton Manning is so synonymous with the Colts, even, you know, having the Broncos era or whatever. Is there still a lasting, lingering kind of presence of Peyton Manning? Or has that been banished to the point where, you know, the, the ghosts have been exercised for that? So... I think the easiest way to answer that is by saying that I actually have the words Peyton Manning muted on Twitter. Oh, really? <laughs> Sometimes I, I just can't hate the debates because there's people that are still, <coughs> still sitting argue till they're blue in the face being like, they shouldn't have released him and drafted Luck. And I'm like, it's like 10 years ago, basically. Like, I can't keep reading the same debate. But like you, you said about like, we play the sports to figure out who is the best of all the wins and whatever. And like Brady has 9 million rings at this point. But if you ask a Colts fan, Brady or Manning, you probably know where it's going, even though Manning only has two. It's one of those things that they'll just argue blue in the... like, And only one of them as a Colt 
Yeah. And like, so for me, my first season watching the Colts was the 2011 season where Manning missed the entire season with like three neck surgeries. Timing. And then at the end of it, it, they cut him and went to look. So from my perspective, I never had the Manning years. I only have like watching back. So you can find like full games on YouTube and whatever. It's like the comeback against the Patriots and, so I can watch it from that angle, but I I don't have the connection to Manning that a lot of other fans do. So yeah. for me, it's easy to sort of, like say, mute his name and just sort of try and forget about it. Yeah. But, but that, I, that, that, I, I think, think that's... People, it will just never, it will never end. No. He was, he was Indianapolis. Well, um, he's like, like, like we, again, with Griffey building the baseball stadium, he built that stadium you play in. Yeah. And as it's hard for fans, I think, to know that they voluntarily cut him. It's not that he turned down a new deal and left as a free agent. They chose to let him go. And then he went and won a Super Bowl with another team. And I think there's that thing of even before Luck's retirement, there were people saying that could have been us. But our roster was in no place to challenge for a Super Bowl anytime soon. I suppose you could take the Luck pick, like you could have traded away the number one pick. But it's just I can't I just can't read the same arguments like nearly a decade on. Yeah, but the, the, I think it's the same thing with the conversation around the Seahawks O line is because the two thousand six five four five six seven let's see, yeah six seven Seahawks O line has two Hall of Famers on it, and now 12, 14 years later, it's the worst. It's all it's going to be the first comment on any game thread anywhere on Sunday night is about our O line. But a decade ago, we had Walter Jones and uh, Steve Hutchison on the left left hand side. It's just because because this era of fan base and because the social media era of fan base didn't watch those two just annihilate defensive players. And Sean Alexander paved the way for Sean to get twenty eight touchdowns in two thousand five and stuff. It's kind of forgotten. It's, I guess it's the kind of same with the new era, the current era of Colts fans with Peyton, isn't it? But even on that note, I know the sections of the Colts sort of. A fan base on Twitter that would trade Quentin Nelson if an offer came in because the view is that guards aren't all that important in the grand scheme of things. I personally disagree. And I'm so I'm in the camp of you just want as many good players as you can get. Yeah. Well, interior pressure is so crucial in the modern NFL. Yeah, definitely. And, as, and also as fans of a team who watched uh, left guard trip up their quarterback for a sack on the two yard line. <laughs> They are quite important. Their own two-yard line, by the yeah, way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do think people have forgotten sort of just how bad it was before Nelson. Because the, the O-line that Grigson concocted was <laughs> horrific. I think that 2013 draft, he he picks Hugh Thornton and then Khaled Holmes. I mean, that the, sounds like the presenter's a master chef. <laughs> <laughs> so bad. So bad. So... I almost think we're at a stage of people taking Nelson for granted. Yeah. Which, is, which seems completely odd because you look at the national media and Quentin Nelson is sort of like the gold standard of interior linemen at this stage. I mean, in, until his vaccination status came out, he was he was the name I saw more often about the success of this Colts team than the quarterback. Yeah. Pretty, because pretty he much. is, yeah. Um, 
Yeah, but also that's the thing, like taking it for granted. And that's what we've kind of said about uh, those Super Bowl teams to see what's had with all those defensive players. It's kind of we did take that for granted, didn't we? I mean, we've said it to a couple of the players that we've been lucky enough to have on the show in the last few months. Like, do you think that the amount of talent on the team has been ignored and kind of pushed to one side with the idea of the mysticism of Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson and culture? Like, no, we just had fucking good players in every (laughs) position. And that's kind of how you win. And I feel like Doug Baldwin especially responded to us like, yeah, like look at the names on the wall. We were <laughs> yeah. incredible. Yeah, I think his quote was, we had Michael Bennett and Cliff Abel as backups. Yeah, which yeah. is a quote that I think Mike Dugar has used somewhere and has now transcended to 950KGR. They use that comment uh, uh, regularly uh, without realising where it originally came from. So I might have to you know, yeah, send the heavies yeah. in. Yeah, credit is due. Absolutely. Um, yeah. Uh, so, so are you confident for Sunday? Let's Ollie? pick it. Let's pick the game. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm leading to. It's called a segue, Adam. <laughs> uh, you confident, I Ollie? I don't know because it, it Wentz is just such an unknown quantity. I just have literally no idea what we're walking into this season because last season was so bad. I think there was... Was there a Thursday night game maybe against either the Cowboys or Giants where he, he, he's been bad the last two times he's played the Seahawks there, there was a moment in like a prime time game where he's rolled out to the left and there's a, there's a defender about that close to him and he's trying to make a throw and I'm just like he just looked gone like he just didn't know how to play the position anymore um, I don't know if one off season can fix yeah I know everyone's like, oh, well, Reich can do this. And, but I think if you look at the stats of when sort of with Reich and without Reich, I don't actually think they're that much different from sort of recollection of seeing them. No, because broken is broken. But also last last year is against the Eagles, Quandre Diggs had potentially the easiest pick six and a professional athlete is ever going to have from Carson Wentz. So he just <laughs> threw the ball and there wasn't... a. Like they were in Philadelphia and there was no Philadelphia representation anywhere in the picture when Quandre Diggs got the ball in his hands. It was, it's, yeah, I, th- I think broken's broken, but I'm, I'm, I think, like I said, maybe to Sonny when I talked about the Colts, it's just, they're a team that you, you kind of, because they're AFC, because we only play them once every four years, because they're not really in the national conversation, maybe as much as they should be with the, the players they've got, but. I, I was a lot more confident before I looked and like listed the players that we've got to go against, and then looked at the just a revolving door at cornerback the Seahawks have a week out from the start of the season. Um, and it's a road game, and it's six o'clock on Sunday. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm not confident. I, I think we lost last eight years ago. Um, I think it was the first loss in the 20 Super Bowl was. season was in Indianapolis, like week five, week six as well. So. We don't week, have. We don't it was have week five, and it was probably the worst game I've ever seen Richard Sherman have as a Seahawk. Yeah, Ty hit one. Yeah, Ty not absolutely. Yeah, Marmalize him. him. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm not very confident. Um, ask me at five fifty eight on Sunday, maybe a different answer. But <laughs> I, I, I think the Seahawks are losing the first two games. To be quite honest, Adam. Yeah, I, I reckon they. Lo- that you know, part of the. 
the fabric of Seahawk fandom is chaos to start the season <laughs> and the assumption that S is hitting the S. Um, so I think that we will lose this probably by a field goal. I think 24-21 Indy is probably roughly where I am with it. And it's just going to cause a magnificent meltdown in the ether. And so I'm almost here for it um, because if we can't win, then at least make it dramatic and give us something to talk about every week and, and enjoy that. So, yeah, I, I think 24-21 in Indianapolis. Yeah. Although Carson Wentz, I think, is 0-5 against Seattle. Yeah, he is. So it wouldn't stun me if that became 0-6. Uh, but I just have a feeling that w- similar to the Denver game on the road a couple of years ago, uh, we'll find a way to just fuck it, basically. Yeah, uh, 26-20 Colts, I think. I think uh, Jonathan Taylor... Um, will be a thing. I think the linebacker decision they've made that they may come into fruition with Marlon back out, Naeem Hines out the backfield as well. Um, and yeah, just Pittman across the middle in space. Yeah, um, yeah. I think the more I talk about it, I'm getting less and less confidence. But 26-20 Colts, I think. Uh, Ollie, score prediction? Uh, I mean, against my better judgment, I will take Colts. I'll go like 24-20. Yeah. Yeah, it, it, I, I, I'm unsure if it's going to be a fun game because not many Seahawks games are, but it doesn't like Andrew Luck 20, like 2013 games fun because it was like Andrew Luck, Russell Wilson, Sherman, and everyone else just throwing haymakers for like three and a half quarters. But this one doesn't just doesn't seem like it's just a game that the Seahawks are going to lose and we move on and turn around. We've got Julio, Derek Henry, and AJ Brown coming to Seattle, so it's not it's it's, it's not going to be a pleasant. 10 days or so the Seahawks fan I don't think but it's just there's a weird vibe around this game it 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 worries me from like a non-Seahawk perspective that Adam said that if us three lined up against the Seahawks we would get open we, and, we, and then you lot have to face Julio Julio and we've, faced, we've, we've, we've had I've seen six different names with CB next to them signed or waived by the Seahawks in the last four days They've signed players from all corners of the NFL and the CFL this last week. And they've traded the guy for the second straight offseason. They paid money for him for agency. They've traded him already. Who who was that? Uh, Akela Witherspoon. Last year was last year was BJ Funny, but we got Carlos Dunlap in return. So okay. funny. But this year we got a draft pick in like um I don't know, the end of Biden's term of <laughs> president, I think, is that far away. But, but yeah. With the 49ers. Yeah, he was. Yeah. I, I, I liked him. And he was apparently in true Pete Carroll, I think it was, uh, chat in the off-season, like the summer, like spring workouts, the best cornerback on the roster. He's now the best cornerback probably, uh, not named Minka in Pittsburgh. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, I'm not very confident. Um, spin it a bit, Adam. Let's do it. So again, as I said, I did uh, brief and try to prep Ollie for this part. And I said, we're going to do this thing called get in the bin. So you get ready. And he, Ollie replied, can I put my quarterback in there? We've done it. Um, we've done it. We've put Kirk Cousins in. Well, Adam put Kirk Cousins in, in consecutive weeks. Uh, so it's the theme. Uh, Stuart, just to add a bit of spice to this, I've had a look at who scored uh, in that 46-18 blowout of the Colts. It was 18-all in the middle of the third quarter, so I don't know what happened to the Colts <laughs> then, but a Seahawk running back 
scored two touchdowns in that game. And I'm going to give you to the end of this segment to tell me <laughs> who that is. Otherwise, you will be in the bin for your knowledge, I'm afraid. Additionally, I'm pretty sure a former Seahawks running back scored for us in that game as well. Did Troy May Pope score for you? Uh, I'm assuming, I think he was with the Seahawks, but Robert, Seahawks running back. Seahawks. Oh, Robert Turbin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's, uh, he's the only person that likes Russell Wilson who's ever been in the Seahawks locker room, I think. Yeah, he, he scored for us in that game. <laughs> Seahawks, what was it, 2017? Yeah. Rawls was around then, wasn't he? Yeah, it was not Thomas Rawls. Running back. Anyway, uh, so Carson Wentz is going to be in, are they? Yeah, uh, I just don't like the lack of leadership at all. Just think he's showing no sort of progress as a, as a person from the Philly debacle. Um, was willing to give him a chance, but heading into the season, I'd just, I'd just rather quarterback with somebody else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fair enough. Uh, anyone else have been for you apart from Carson Wentz? I mean, can this, can this be anyone or just uh, anyone? anyone. Like, oh. Cristiano went in last week. Apart from me, you can't put me in. But anyone else is fair game. Uh, I'll throw I'll throw Chad Evans in there just because. I can. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, yeah, that, that, that's probably, probably I probably could have predicted them. Yeah. Both of them. Uh, Adam Ayo off the bin. Was it Christine Michael? It was not Christine Michael, I'm afraid. Um, yes, Drew Locke had some unbelievable comments today where I think <laughs> if you remember the game where Denver went into the game with New Orleans with zero quarterbacks last year, um, some evidence has seemed to be transpired. And from what I'm led to believe, every player had like a tracking thing to you know, you know, make sure yeah. that they're not too close together or whatever. And it seems like Drew Locke admitted that the cult, that the uh, Broncos put the four quarterbacks, put their tracking things, each one in a different corner of the room off their bodies and then just sat next to each other with their masks off. And that was, uh, and, and that was found out. So um, I think that is magnificently been worthy in just how stupid it is. Um I mean, they—it's uh-huh. they, they, like they forgot they work for a billion-dollar company organization. Yeah. Like they would have probably thought of that they, if they're going to try and trick us into doing this and that. But also, what the hell is going on in Denver? Again, you talk about Peyton Manning not being there. What has gone on in Denver since he retired? I do have since- another for the bin. Okay, go for it. Uh, Vince McMahon, <laughs> get him gone. <laughs> Uh, he's all very huge. Series of stupid decisions. Uh, for the bin, for me, I did have one, and I can't remember the one I had. Um, no, I can't think of one. Um, I did have one. I wrote it down, but I also can't think of that running back. So I'm going in the bin. So, <laughs> who was that running back, Adam? Who's the fastest play you've ever seen in the flesh? Was it JD? JD McKissick. Oh, no. Is he? oh yeah, oh, yeah. Because we went, we went to New York that year. Didn't like we? two weeks, two weeks later, we were in New York. Mm. Yeah, honestly, Ollie, he's unbelievable in, in like fifty yards away from you. He's uh, so so fast. I have also noticed that your leading rusher in that game was Eddie Lacy. <laughs> no, yeah, see, that's what I nearly said. But I was like, no, that's too obvious. I knew he was a. Oh, I mean, but you kind of understand why they paid Chris Garza when you look at that 
box score alone. Um, also, Adam, there is a quite a nice mention of Spice there because Ollie is one of the very lucky people in this, on this planet who's met matching Tendulkar. Yes. Has he really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the tail end of show in Manchester last year. Um, <laughs> it's We went over to talk to him, but then he was talking to other people. So the group of people I was with, we just started doing stupid partridge impressions. And then Matt in turn and was like, came over to us because <laughs> we were doing partridge shit. So yeah, the man, the man is a legend. Yeah, this, this, this pod has got even more, for a niche NFL sporting podcast, yeah. this has even got even more niche. But we're talking about Chad Evans, Vince McMahon and Match and Tendulkar. Um, yeah, I, don't, I think that is probably everything. Anything else? A week one slate? I mean, the NFL's back. It's back in two two days. And it's just kind of, yeah, like you said, it just doesn't seem like it's gone away at all. You know, it's been like eight months since uh, John Wofford and eight-fingered Jared Goff. <laughs> Jared Goff's not the NFC West anymore. How quick we'll still away? see him. We'll still see him. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Week one, catch you up, you guys, Ty? I haven't really studied this. It's sort of crept up on me despite me knowing that it was coming. So obviously you've got the Thursday night game. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing what Trevor Lawrence does because by all accounts, you know, with with an Andrew Luck fan in our midst as we speak, I mean, it does appear that he is seen as even a more surefire prospect than than Andrew Luck was coming out. So I'm fascinated to see how he does because um, it'd be nice to see the fans of Jacksonville get, you know, get a guy for 15 years, I, I'd, I'd be pleased for them. Yeah, but in spite of their head coach. Yeah, obviously. Because he is, Ollie, firmly planted in the bin, along yeah, with t- time shared. No, I, like, I, I had like to think he, for a second, like, who is it even? Was like, yeah, oh, it's, uh, it's Urban Meyer. Yeah. Just talking about leadership and taking ownership of things. Urban Meyer. Um, yeah. Oh, let's uh, put the Washington Huskies in the bin. Oh, yeah. Moose Montana. Montana does like Montana. They are one of, I think, only five times in college football history has a ranked team lost to an FBS. And I think it's the first time since 1939 a ranked team has lost to an FBS team scoring less than 10 points. I mean, they scored with their first Hmm. drive of the year and then had no idea what to do after that. (laughs) So the one drive they planned for nine months, whatever they scored on, and then John Donovan just had no idea what to do. Yeah. Uh, so that bodes well for yeah, Michigan I mean, on Saturday. Yeah, Jim Harbaugh doesn't like beating teams from Seattle, so... This, yeah. this is what happens when you don't have Jacob <laughs> Skinny Jake. I mean, very true. Yeah. Did they win many games that year? I can't remember. No, they didn't. They, no, no. They but since they, blew, they blew out by is it Alabama who blew them out? <laughs> I was at a cover away day somewhere that day. Um, also talking about Alabama, they're going to win the national title again. That was ridiculous. Yep. I mean, how is that fair? <laughs> They've got a guy who's going to win Heisman at quarterback. They've got an O lineman who just runs over people. He's like six foot nine or something ludicrous. But yeah, college football is fun, but Alabama are going to win at the end of it, as with every year under Nick Saban. Uh, Ali, where can people catch all your socials? You're back right in this uh, off-season, weren't you, with the draft again after a few years? The guy who I think we first 
connected through draft chat and everything. So a long time ago, yeah. Um, every every year I sort of flip back into it and write some cult stuff, and then Colts fans follow me, and then I don't write anything for another year. <laughs> <laughs> so, I have to apologise to them for that. Um, my my personal account is Oliraf, as in Polyraph the Pokemon, but without the P. And that is. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I will also say Chiefs Browns on Sunday. I am quite looking forward to that one. Yeah. How's your fantasy football? No one cares about fantasy football apart from the people who have fantasy football teams, but how's that looking for this year? I mean, you're in that ridiculous dynasty league. I mean, that is so deep. Like, it's got like 45 roster spots. Is <laughs> that's been going for a long, long time? I don't think my team has ever been good. <laughs> it still isn't. <laughs> yeah, no. Nah. We had our, me and Adam had a redraft on Sunday, and he actually was present for this one. I did. Which made, which made a difference. Which made a change because he actually drafted good players, which is rather annoying. Um, Good bit of breaking news that's just come down the uh, the pipe. Levy and Bell is the Baltimore Raven. Oh, I thought they would sign uh, Freeman Todd Gurley. To be honest, uh, I mean Todd Gurley. I said last week on the pod, Todd Gurley's twenty-seven and out of it, oh, his career's over. Uh, one more note for a friend of the show, Joe Fan has a congrats on the new gig down in Vegas. That sounds like a pretty exciting opportunity. And uh, when the Seahawks play the Raiders in Vegas in five years hopefully he'll be he'll, he'll run the town like uh, Sonny Alderson or whoever that was uh, back in the day we'll be able to get all the time is it not next year? no because no. No, the London game was uh, at Raiders wasn't it? of course what a shame yeah but yeah congrats to one of the good people one of the I mean, he's going to be and it's going to be one less uh, comfortable question he's going to be even Jamal, I'm sure misses him already as well. So, <laughs> yeah, massive congrats to him. Uh, yeah, that is all. We'll be back next week, um, hopefully with another guest from the opposite uh, sideline. Ollie, thank you very much for joining us from the loft conversion, it appears like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, it's like it's a mill uh, that has a, a brick ceiling for some reason. Yeah, and, and seeing as uh, Brit Rez is dead, we'll have to try and find a way to... Have a well, I'll have a drink and you'll have a, uh, a San Pellegrino, but I'll try and find a way to connect back up because Brit Rez is dead, thankfully. Yeah, it, it needed to die. Yeah, uh, yeah, but it, all the usual uh, means and methods uh, patreon.com forward slash the pedestrian podcast, uh, no, the pedestrian podcast podbean.com, iTunes, Spotify, with everything else. Reach out, let us know who you want to listen to. Massive thanks to Ollie, massive thanks obviously to Adam for jumping on. Uh, at this late hour once again until next time enjoy it's the game where the core Stu. of the world yeah but you yeah, but you it, it always seems joining on our show I'm being nice though Adam well, I'm being seems a bit facetious I've, 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 like. no, I've got nothing else going on so I'm sound That's, I've been um, doing it for the last five years it's not going to change now is it yeah I just, I just thought I'd mix things up it's very kind of you it's, thank it's, you I appreciate it's, it's, it yeah, yeah whatever, whatever corner of the world you watch the um Game from this Sunday. Enjoy it as much as you can and see what's going. But until next time, this has been the Pedestrian Podcast. Go Hawks. Go well. Cheers. <laughs>